So, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to be looking at verses 4 to 7, and so today um, comes the questions in our last discussion on the Holy Spirit. We've been going through the series called Empowered, a study in the Holy Spirit. And so here's our last discussion. We're going to be discussing two big questions people ask. One is, what is my spiritual gift? What is my spiritual gift? And then some people just say, what is a gift? I don't even know what one is. How would I know if I have it? So what is my spiritual gift? What is a gift? You know, speaking of not your gift, because who wants to be linked up in an area that you're not really good at, that you're not really cut out for? I read an account um, of a lady that went in to buy a lovely handkerchief at a very sophisticated store. You know, the store was just super high class, through and through. Everything was just beautiful. Everything was in its place. And, you know, it just kind of forces you to kind of, you know, stiffen up your back a little bit and stand a little bit straighter and taller and maybe up your cultural swank just a little bit. And this lady walked in all prim and proper. And she goes over to the counter and she points to the glass counter. She says, um, I would love to see that handkerchief. That one is exquisite. Oh, how lovely. May I be able to hold it, please? And so the girl behind the counter reaches in and she grabs it and she gives it to her and she says, yeah, and it's hand-did too. She says, obviously she wasn't too gifted for that type of a ministry right there. You want to be connected with things that you're good at. You want to be connected with something that fits. And so here we are at 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 7, and he's going to be answering a couple questions for us. What is a gift? And we're going to be talking about what is your gift? How can you exercise a gift? So you got your copy of the scriptures open, maybe you got your device. I'm also going to put it on the screen for us. Look at these verses, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 7, and here's how it's laid out in this text. He says there are different kinds of gifts. Now notice... We're, he's going to go through three things. Follow along. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. Notice number two. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. Then he goes on to number three. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. And so then he goes on in verse 7, he says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So let's talk through this for a few minutes. I realize in this room there are maybe a number of different views about spiritual gifts, maybe some different backgrounds. Some of you may have come from church ministries where there was a different expression of spiritual gifts than what we have here. But let's go ahead and jump into it. Grab your, grab your uh, pen. Let's take some notes. Maybe if you're writing your Bible, let's do that. But whatever we do, get the mental gears moving because these are things all of us need to be doing 
in order to accomplish God's purpose for our lives and for his church. So number one, about spiritual gifts, right there at the beginning in verse 4 of chapter 12, he mentions a gift is an ability. A gift is an ability. Now he mentions right there, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. Now just for a second, I I just want to be able to get us into this little niche here to be thinking about what do these gifts mean? There are different kinds of gifts. So the word gifts in the language that it was written in Bible times is this. And this may connect with some of us, others it may not, it doesn't matter. But here's the word gifts is charis or charisma. Or maybe some of you might be familiar with a church movement called charismata or charismatic. And so you're thinking, oh, okay, so this is talking specifically more aligned with gifts. Something that's bestowed that we don't work for. We haven't tried to attain. That's the idea of this gift. Here is, here is an ability. Here is something that God gives. And the large part of the focus here is on God, the Holy Spirit, gifting people with this ability. So the, the recipient is undeserved. There is an enablement. There is an ability that is a gift of God. If we look at the same word translated elsewhere in the New Testament, of other gifts, it would be Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for it is by charisma, for it is by charis, it is by grace that you are saved through faith. It is a gift. It's a gift of God. So God gives gifts. The Spirit gives gifts. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the gift is an enabling, it is an ability to do something, to accomplish something for his work, for his kingdom. Now, I'm going to tell you, there's two kinds of this enabling or ability. So get your deductive reasoning on this morning. Number one, there is a short-term ability. So there's a short-term ability. And in Acts 2, 1 to 12, he talks specifically about what an example of a short-term ability was. So there's there's the disciples, and here they were discussing. They were in an upper room. They were scared. They came out of that upper room, and here's the day of Pentecost. And they are in front of thousands of people from other countries that are in Jerusalem who spoke all these other languages. Now, the text tells us that the disciples were unschooled. So here's unschooled guys And it mentions the Holy Spirit came upon them and they were able to speak in all these different languages. Unschooled guys speaking in other languages. Now that was a temporary thing. It didn't mean that they could just anytime, wherever, just pull up a language that they wanted to speak. If that were the case, our prayers in Spanish class in high school would have been a lot different. Amen? You know what we're talking about, like, Lord, give me the gift of languages now. I need it for this test. 
But this gift was for a specific purpose at a specific time, and the Spirit enabled them to accomplish it. He gave them a special ability. Okay. Let me take a sip of coffee. And I'm just going to go there for a moment. Let's take a quick theological break. Because I know in this room, on the other side of the lens, there are some different views about revelatory gifts. Or gifts of prophecy, tongues, words of wisdom. Now I want you to know that the body of Christ is bigger. And I know that there is unity, even though there's not always uniformity. But here's where I land with this, and here's where our ministry has been with this. And it's not to look down upon others. They're good, God-loving people that think differently about these specific sign gifts. But let me just walk out there for a moment. I believe that the purpose, you got to hear this one out, I believe the purpose of the sign gifts and regulatory apostolic gifts. In plain language, the purpose for prophecy, tongues, words of knowledge, etc., has found its fulfillment in the written word of God, the ultimate prophecy, the ultimate revelation, the final word of God for us. I believe what we hold in our hands today, or even what you pull up on your iPod, is the greatest ultimate gift of God for which there is no substitute or improvement. So overall, I see in Scripture and I see in history that where God's final revelation and where his church is present He did not utilize revelatory gifts as he did in the infant church. Now, understanding that, I say it with great humility. And I'm not going to belabor it because here's the deal. Our type of church doesn't deal with an overuse of gifts. We deal with an underuse of gifts. Am I getting through on this? Oftentimes, in the kind of church I grew up in, we looked down on other ministries that we felt, oh, they're overdoing the spiritual gifts. When in reality, myself and our church, we weren't even utilizing the gifts of the Spirit. We weren't even serving with the enabling of the Holy Spirit. We weren't even thinking about the Holy Spirit. And so as much as we had our finger pointed at other people, really... The issue was with us. And we needed to preach to ourselves. There was a non-use of gifts. We were not moving out in the power of the Spirit of God with however he had enabled us. And I just want to shatter some thoughts about spiritual gifts. But here it goes. Some never experience God's enabling because they look for what they naturally feel comfortable with doing and i've heard this and i've said it i don't feel comfortable would you do this i man that's outside of my zone 
I really don't feel good about doing that. Well, you know what? If we only did what we feel comfortable doing, we really don't need the Spirit of God. And just think about it this way. This is a quote. Write this one down. This one changed some of my thoughts. We won't find His ability seeking our comfortability. Are we tracking together on this? We won't find His ability seeking our comfortability. So if we can imagine these disciples, now said that they were unschooled. Now oftentimes we think less schooled. They were unschooled. You know, in our mind we think, oh, they probably went up through sixth grade. They just lacked like chemistry and physics or something like that. No. These guys, many of them probably could not read or write. And imagine if someone couldn't read or write, and now they're standing in front of a group of thousands of people who speak multiple different languages. That may be outside of the comfort zone. I mean, if I pulled any of us up here and said, okay, here's my sermon notes, go for it, we would struggle enough with English. And here comes these unschooled guys not able to speak in a language, and they went outside of their comfort zone, and God filled their inability with ability. Two weeks before, they were huddled in an upper room. The door was locked. They were frightened for their life. Two weeks later, they're standing before the very same people that killed Jesus, and they're saying, hey, I got a message for you, and here's what it is. You killed Jesus. He rose from the dead, and he's the only name by which we can be saved. It's the name of Jesus Christ. Get on or else your eternity is in hell. It's quite a message to say to the people that just killed Jesus. For people that were frightened two weeks earlier. We don't need his ability in our comfortability. What is needed in our comfortability is a swift kick in our spiritual hiney. Amen from the peanut gallery. It's true. We all need it. I need it. Here's where some of this ability is needed. This is what's not comfy. Sometimes our comfortability is going to be tested. We need his ability when we go through the death of someone close. And we do so with grace and comfort. And sometimes, you know what, we might even be a blessing to other people when we do that. That's his ability in our life. And you say, you know, that wouldn't be like me. Exactly. Exactly. That's the Spirit of God. Sometimes it might be sharing God's Word with someone going through a major trial. And you're like, man, that is way out of my comfort zone. You know, who am I to go up there and start to talk to people? I'd be scared to death to do that. Yeah. That's when we need Jesus. That's when we need the Spirit's enabling. That's another area. We step out of our comfort zone, and he helps us. We're sharing your story of failure and redemption with others who need to hear it. To be able to open up with another person, I just talked to someone who <coughs> in their past life dealt with extreme depression and 
and, and they said that people looked down. He had previously looked down on others. He's like, I know people are going to look down on me if I tell them. And you know what he said? The very first thing he started to do was to tell people. He connected with the people. He opened up about his story. And that was so outside of his comfort zone, but God enabled him to do it, to share your story of failure and redemption. And he said, and when I did that, I realized there were dozens of other people in the church that needed to hear it that never opened up because they felt other people would judge them. Here's another one, standing up for what's right with your peers. It may be if you're in school, if you're in college, if you're with other friends in some situations, but you know what? Oftentimes we like to cower like the disciples in that upper room, fearful of other people, and we get outside of our comfort zone, and we speak up for what we believe, or we say, you know what? I'm, I'm not doing that. I, I got something here that I want to protect and maintain for Jesus Christ. And you say, man, that wouldn't be comfortable to say to my friends, well, you know what? I, I realize that. We need God's spirit. His ability isn't needed for our comfortability. So let me test your um, deductive reasoning this morning. So a spiritual gift is an ability. It's a short-term ability. And then, I'm sure if your deductive reasoning is really good, if you're thinking, oh, it's a short-term ability, then the second supporting thing, if it's a short-term ability, there can also be a long-term ability. Wow, all three of you, right along with me here. It's a long-term ability. So there's a, two kinds of abilities that God gives. Sometimes it's a short-term ability, and he says, you know what? I'm going to help you do this for this moment. You may not need it all the time, but I'm going to help you do it for this moment. And then there's long-term abilities. And so what Peter writes about in 1 Peter 4.10, he says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. And then he, he uses this phrase, he says, as faithful stewards of God's grace in his various forms. And so he's saying, you know what? Each of you has a gift. Every one of you. God has put a gift in each one of our lives. And then he talks about, we need to faithfully steward. We need to faithfully manage. We need to sustain that gift in serving other people. And so this is not just a short term, a one and done and I'm done with it. You know, I just did that this week, and now I'm over with it. He says, you know what? There is a gift that's given to us that we need to be able to continue on through our life to serve other people. And here we see a regularity of the exercising of that gift. You do it. You keep on doing it. And this is oftentimes what we think about with spiritual gifts. Now, in 1 Corinthians 12 and in Romans, he mentions a listing of spiritual gifts. I'm going to give these to you. These may be things that you naturally connect with, or it may be even beyond this list that I believe God can work in your life. But you know, there's teaching. And it may not necessarily be up in front of a big group. You can teach even over a cup of coffee with someone as you relay God's word and your personal life to them. So teaching can be a spiritual gift that you do even relationally in someone's life. Other spiritual gifts that you need to faithfully manage and maintain is helping and serving. You, you just keep serving, you just keep thinking of others, you don't let that thing rust out. Organizing is another spiritual gift, a special need within the body of Christ. Leading, encouraging, giving, 
caring. These are long-term gifts that God gives us by his Holy Spirit to each one of us, every single one of us, has a gift given to us by his Spirit. And so here's what we need to do. Say goodbye to the comfort zone. Goodbye to the comfort zone. Say hello to his ability. Let him do in you what you can't. And measure our success based upon kingdom growth. Based upon kingdom growth. Okay, here we go. I gotta keep trucking. 1 Corinthians 12. And here's what he mentions. There are three kinds of gifts, but this, or different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. And then he mentions this. There are different kinds of service. So number one, a gift is an ability. Number two, a gift is an opportunity. A gift is an opportunity. So he mentions there are different kinds of service. So first he calls them a gift, a free ability. And then second he calls them a service. And here the word is diakonos, which we would get deacon. The idea is we do acts of service. We execute the commands of other people. People have needs. We follow through with them. So I just want to give you a whole different twist. People never think that your opportunity to serve someone is a gift from God to you. That's a spiritual gift. We oftentimes think it's this tremendous enabling that I can do something flashy. Well, you know what? It just might be an opportunity that you sense from a prompting in your heart, from an email that comes through, from a word from someone else, from the biblical method of a bulletin board that you see something on, whatever it is, God gives opportunities. Opportunities are his way that we end up serving him. Now, I brought over here a box I want to show you. You know, oftentimes when we think of the spiritual gift, like I mentioned, we think of that special ability and we think of all the upfront stuff. We're no different than the, than the first church in, in Corinth. They love the glitzy gifts. And that's why if you flip the page to 1 Corinthians 13, remember what 1 Corinthians 13 was about? It was about love. And he starts out and he says, you know what? Okay, I, I hear you. You speak in the tongues of men and of angels. That great ability. But if you don't have what? If you don't have love, you're nothing. We think about the glitzy stuff and he says, you know what? But if you don't serve in love, you're nothing. And then he continues on. You know what? You may have the gift of prophecy Look at that great gift. You might be able to fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. Have a faith that moves mountains, but here it comes. And if you have not what? If you have not love, you're nothing. And then he goes on and he says, you know what? If you give all you possess to the poor and <clears throat> surrender your body to the flames. But if you have not love, you're nothing. So let's not be disillusioned with the thoughts. The only gifts that count are the upfront gifts. And oftentimes, this is what we think of. This is what we think of when we think of gifts. And there are gifts in this. To be able to teach. To be able to share. To be able to 
lead in worship or whatever may be the case. There are plenty of gifts that come through the microphone. And oftentimes this is how we view it. Wow, look at their gift. Look at their ability. Because they hold something in their hand because they're up front and, we, and we're impressed by that. But I just want to mention, because he says, not only is a gift and ability, it's also a service. God gives us opportunities. Instead of just a microphone in your hand, another way that you exercise a gift may be even with a hammer in your hand. Where you say, you know what? There's a need over there that someone has. And I read the directions of how to use this. And I'm going to go serve them. And by doing that, I'm going to build up the body of Christ. i got a few other things in here. You also can have this in your hand. A note. God may give you an opportunity where you realize, you know, someone has a need for my encouragement. Someone has a need for me to reach out to them. Someone has a need to be noticed and understood. And so, you know what, you can write a note and that opportunity to serve them and their need is a gift from God. Here's another one. A paintbrush. Obviously, I haven't used my gift. Anyways, um, putting other things in our hand is not just the upfront things, but it's a service opportunity. Here's another gift. And you look at this and you think, oh, church softball. Well, no, let me tell you, this is a kid's glove. One of your best gifts you could do is um, throw ball with a kid. Talk to them. Show, them. show them how God loves them. And import what Jesus would be into their life. That's a gift. That's an opportunity. Here's a couple others. There's these things. They turn stuff, and good things happen. Another way to, another way to do good. There's crafts. Other things in your hand. There's, there's gardening. There's just so many things, friends, that we can do as opportunities. Let me just share you a, a gift that happened to us. As yesterday, we had a party at our home, and you know, after three weeks of famine and no rain in the land, wouldn't you know, the day we have our party, rain. And it rained for 40 days and 40 nights, it seemed, you know. It's like, why now, you know? And uh, we had no plan B. It was at the house. We were thinking, oh, this would be great. It'll be outdoors. Everyone can run around and do whatever. We had no plan B. And oftentimes, once again, you think of the gift up front. Someone's teaching. Someone's singing. Someone's leading. Someone's sharing. Well, you know what? Um, someone gave us a call yesterday morning. Unsolicited. We didn't put out any feelers. I, didn't, I had no plan B. Someone gave us a call yesterday morning about maybe 10 o'clock and our party started at 1 and they said, do you need a tent? 
Guess what my answer was? Oh my, do we ever need a tent? And they said, I'm gonna grab the boys. We're gonna be right over. And they came over. They set it up. And we could just keep on working on our party. We did nothing. And they served us. That opportunity that they took advantage of was a gift of God to serve. And there were many people in the body of Christ that were positively impacted by that. And you know what? When those things come up in our lives, when we see opportunities like that, don't just think that they're chance. Oh, and it's optional. Eh, whatever. Eh, I don't feel like it. Remember the comfort zone? Eh, not right now. I'd rather do something different. We need to look at those just as much as the high-profile gifts as, you know what, that's God. That's God tapping me on the shoulder and saying, you know what, here's your opportunity. Here is your chance to serve me for the good of my kingdom and to develop the body of Christ. Here's your way to jump in there and to be love to people. And I can tell you so many examples when people have done this in the life of myself and my wife and my family that they have taken off on God's opportunities, which are gifts. And so we realize as we look at this, most people focus, and here's the phrase, most focus on abilities as a gift, but miss opportunities as a gift. And they're both. So look at spiritual gifts as an ability, Look at spiritual gifts as God's opportunities, and we need to be alert and attentive to all of those. <clears throat> and then here's the last thing I want to give you as we finish up here this morning. <clears throat> and there's just way too much repetition to overlook this. This is so explicit in the text. And here's number three. <clears throat> the gift is about the gift giver and his purpose for giving it. So just look. This is just so blatant, it's just, it's neat. So number one, it says in verse four, <clears throat> there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. So you get the picture. There's gifts, but the spirit gives them. Verse five, there are different kinds of service, those opportunities, but the same Lord. And then he goes into verse six, and he says there's different kinds of working but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God. When you get looking through those verses, you're saying, okay, where's it talking about me? You know? Because all the discussion today is like, what's your gift? How do you discover your gift? Here's a special survey you can take on your gift. And you know what? The focus really isn't on us about the gift. The focus is on the gift giver. And here's the genius of this whole thing. Because the genius of the spiritual gift here, the word for working, energema, it means to be at work, to act, to affect. And so the whole idea about the gifts of abilities and the gifts of opportunities is these are manifestation that God is at work. 
every time that you have an ability to do something, God's at work. Every time an opportunity boop, pops up and God wants you to take advantage of it, God's at work. And so let's just pull the curtain back a little bit. Imagine this. So between our services, we have about 500 people and you think about God orchestrating the abilities of 500 people to do things that he needs done for his kingdom. And then just think about this, God um, organizing and arranging opportunities for 500 people that come up for us to be able to be an advantage for the gospel and his kingdom. Just think about the genius there. And then let's just pull the curtain back even farther and say, you know, he's not just doing it with East Bay Calvary. He's doing it in Harvest. He's doing it in New Hope. He's doing it in City Church. And we just go on and on and on. And then you go past this area. He's doing it in our sister churches down in Grand Rapids. He's doing it globally. And you realize God's gifts, he is brilliant. The abilities and enabling he gives us to do things in the moment when we feel we can't. And the opportunities he gives for us to serve him. He is genius. So the focus isn't on me. Well, look what I can do. No, the focus is on look what God is doing to grow and build his church. And so here's the big thing. This is what it all comes down to. Why does God give us gifts? Why does God give us abilities? Whether natural or supernatural? Why does God give us opportunities? And here's what it is, verse 7, chapter 12. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given. Here's the purpose. It's for the common good. Not just for my good. Hey, look at me. Not just for your good. Wow, you're awesome. No. It's for the good of the body of Christ. That's why the Spirit does this. Now just to reinforce that, if you go over to chapter 14, he reinforced it in so many different ways. Verse 5, chapter 14. He mentions it. He mentions at the end about this whole gift of prophecy. He says, you know what? The whole idea is that the church may be edified. I want the church built up. In verse 12, he says, you know what? Look for gifts of the Spirit to try to excel, to build up the church. It's about growing the church. He kind of spanked him a little bit in verse 17. He says, you know what? You're doing pretty well, but the problem is no one's edified by your gifting, by what you're doing. That's why I give them to you. And then he sums it up in verse 26 when he says, you know what? Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. That's why I give it to you. I do these things to develop the church, the kingdom of God. So here's what it comes down to. <clears throat> Every one of us has gifts. Every one of us. Every one of us has an ability. 
And every one of us has opportunities. And you say, well, I need to exercise my gift. I agree. We know what? We don't have enough church programs. We never have to keep 500 people busy. So you think, how do we do this? How are we going to do it? How do we keep you all exercising your gifts? Well, I'm just going to tell you, number one, you are God's strategy. You are God's strategy to grow his church. You, as a person, using your gift, your ability, and every opportunity he gives you. And then here's the second thing you need to realize, and I need to embrace. Not only are you a strategy, <clears throat> the program that we all serve in to grow his church, the program is life. The program is life. You don't need to wait for an organized, structured program to grow the church. <clears throat> you can do it while you're living. The tent that was brought to us yesterday. The meals that have been distributed. The cards that have come. The help that people have given. All these different gifts. Sharing your recovery story with others. Sitting across the table and opening up to listen. Inviting people into your home. You know, you may do more by connecting in relationship with someone and in opening up your life in transparency and sharing your life and listening and expressing God's word to them than what you may do in a structured program as you walk through life, get someone else to walk with you. It doesn't just happen in this room or in a classroom. It can happen in your living room. We use our gifts in life. Would you stand with me? Would you stand with me? And I want you to think about it. There's two kinds of gifts. Abilities. But you won't need them if we're concerned with comfortability. Would you talk to God today and say, by your strength, I want to say goodbye to comfortability. Goodbye, comfortability. Hello to your ability. It's a biggie. There's opportunities. Got to open my eyes to everything around. They are there. Help me not to miss a gift to make a difference for your kingdom. Help me jump on it. In prayer, personally, would you express these in your heart to God? God, use me for gospel advancement. Help me say goodbye to comfortability. God, help me to see every opportunity. Use me. Use my gift in life, naturally, to make a difference. Would you talk to God right now?
Father, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Spirit, use us, please, bust through our comfortability, open our eyes to the opportunities that exist in life all around us. Stretch us, grow us, fill us, use us by your Spirit. For the advancement of the gospel, for the growth of your church, for the glory of Jesus Christ, use us. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So friends, have a great week. Stay dry. Be filled. Be filled. God bless you. See you in the foyer.